Hi everyone, it's Brian Nelson, the site manager of Coming Home Newcastle, with a message for all of our listeners out there that we are looking for contributors for the website. Match day, match review, transfers, injuries, you name it. We may have a spot for you here. So send us an email at chmradionufc at gmail.com. Be sure to let us know what you think you can do for the club with a sample piece of writing, and let us know why you love Newcastle United so much. Also, while you're at it, send us a five-star like on iTunes, give us some feedback on Google Play, And give us a comment in the comment section on our website. Let us know how we're doing here at the podcast at CHM Radio. We'd love to hear from you. And enjoy this episode with Greg and Elijah on CHM Radio. Episode 10. Once again, we meet without a win. Um, Newcastle loses this weekend 2-0 to Leicester City at home, but we're going to keep it positive if that's possible at all. And I'll introduce you with the most positive part of this podcast, my co-host, Elijah Newsom. How you doing, man? Wouldn't it just be funny if I was negative the entire time and spoke like this? Well, you just did. So yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, guess, yeah that was, it was. I bet everyone listening right now is laughing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's well, it's it's Monday. Yeah, let's let's go. It's Monday. Well, he is your co-host, and I am your host, Greg Troxel. We are coming home, Newcastle's number one podcast, CHN Radio. If you didn't know what CHN stands for, I hope you do now. Um, give us a follow at Coming Home Newcastle on Facebook, on Twitter. It's at Coming Home NUFC on Twitter. Uh, ComingHomeNewcastle.com is the website. Feel free to sign up, join, join. It's completely free. You can comment on any of the articles. We'll interact with you on there. Write your own fan posts. It's fun, I promise. And uh, we we definitely love the interaction. So thank you for that. All right. Oh, Greg, you forgot one thing. If you create an account, you can also go on the Sunderland website, Roker Report, and harass them. So if you don't even want to comment on our stuff, at least do uh, do everyone a favor and comment on their stuff. And, that uh, is an even better reason. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe it's taken us ten episodes. To, yeah. <laughs> we finally got the double digits, and we're letting. That's that's what it is. If you've been with us through ten episodes, we start unlocking. Like you've yeah. reached a certain level of expertise <laughs> that now we you've unlocked a certain level, and this is a level now. Fair. 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 I think yeah. that's how Congrats. we do things. Harass Roker Report. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to get into a little bit of club news today, um, and then we're going to dive into a Leicester City review, and that's going to be it because, as we promised last week, we're going to have two podcasts. So this one will be shorter, um, and we'll just cover those two things. All right, so club news. Peter Kenyon, you know anything about him? Uh, he's not Kenyon. That's the first. <laughs> that was the first thing I looked up. I wanted to see – 
if he was a Kenyan named Peter Kenyon, and I was thoroughly disappointed to say the least. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, he's a guy. Um, I he could take over the club. He couldn't. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Sky News was actually the one to report it. But he has – Peter Kenyon, he's a former uh, – I know it was Chelsea and Manchester United. I'm pretty positive he was an executive with both clubs. And he's plotting a takeover bid for Newcastle United. Um, he's report, reportedly reproached a number of financial backers in recent weeks. Apparently he has connections all over. And he has uh, approached a New York firm uh, – He's run by uh, Greg Fleming, actually, and he's one of the more prominent figures on Wall Street in New York City at Merrill Lynch and then Morgan Stanley. Uh, so big names there. And then he apparently knows some Chinese investors as well. So he's kind of been reported to oversee and start contacting those about a Newcastle United takeover. Uh, where do you stand on this? Is this believable? Uh, some people, some of the naysayers have mentioned, oh, perfect. It's just around the same time as Amanda Stavely's rumors came out. Uh, wh- where, where do you stand, Elijah? Is this something that we should be taking seriously? I mean, I think you want to take it seriously because hope is a wonderful thing that drives humanity to perform its best. Um, but realistically, like we don't really know much about it. And to all the naysayers, I do want to point out that we didn't know much about Stavely's bid either until she actually submitted a bid and um the but the situations are very similar um we're not seeing uh someone who's going to outright purchase the club with both Stavely and Kenyon they're looking to form a group in order to purchase the club with backed by investors so um it kind of begs the question um of like is that a good strategy is that what you want in the future do you want a pool of investors or do you want just a single super rich guy so i don't know i mean i I personally hope that the rumors are true, but you know, I'm like everyone else where I, I think if we get a couple more stories and we get multiple sources reporting things, that's when I'm going to start really believing the hype. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, I will say that I think sky is a very reputable source. Um, I, I, I don't think they mess around with stuff. They're going to report things that they get from sources they've built up through connections over the years. Um, so that's one of the things for me that if I see a transfer rumor or something like that come from Sky, I'm definitely going to tweet it out. I'm definitely going to report it on my end because typically it's legit. I mean, they're, they've built these connections over years. Now, one thing about this that I just also wanted to mention, and it, it could be tied in together, but uh, Mike actually came to the match against Leicester. It's the first time in 16 months that he's been to St. James's Park, and it was 18 months since he's been to a match. I, I think I just messed that up. But it, it's one of the two. When he was at Crystal Palace, it had been like it, basically a year and a half since he's been to a match when he yeah, went to I mean, Crystal I'm Palace last week. Pretty and then, sure, yeah, the last time he was at a match was like when we won the championship. Yeah, and then last uh, he went to Crystal Palace and then the first home match in Leicester. So there's two things here. It's one, there's a reported uh, talks that are supposed to be had, recruitment talks for Rafa Benitez. And there's also a reported – meeting that apparently Mike Ashley has taken the whole squad out to dinner and footing the bill for it. So maybe he was in town for that. But another conspiracy theory is could he have been in town for the Peter Kenyon talks if there were any? I mean, I would put it at this. There's no reason it couldn't be all three. We do know for a fact it's the first two. Um, the, the dinner has been rumored for a couple of weeks now. We actually know what they're eating. 
Um, the Chronicle claims that Mike Ashley is offered to buy the whole team pizza, which that's a that's is it really awesome. pizza? But he's it was a joke. Like we're, we're, they're going out to Italian apparently, so uh. <laughs> um, they're getting Italian. I, I really hope that that is a joke that. Mike Ashley's not considering taking Domino's squats. <laughs> not even Domino's. I'm thinking he's doing like CC's pizza, all you can eat. Just Bruh, like, <laughs> or Little Caesars, hot and ready. <laughs> just, just hot and ready at the uh, training ground. And then yeah. um, but but uh, that's certainly like the confirmed reason is to get those contract talks with Rafa. You would imagine they might actually be in the final stages of an extension. That's uh, me facilitating news. That's me making up stuff. Um, just given the fact that we've been hearing for a week now that Rafa has been meeting with Lee Charnley. So um, I think once you bring in the big gun and Mike Ashley, that you're probably either close to a decision on um, by Rafa, whether it be positive or negative. As it pertains to Peter Kenyon, I mean, I don't even know if he was there. So I, like I have like, yeah, agreed. maybe Rafa was meeting with him. Um, there was a new report from I forgot. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a reputable source of any kind. It was just I typed in Peter Kenyon this morning to see if there's any news, and there was a report saying that Kenyon's um, Kenyon's group came to Mike Ashley expressing interest, and he told them to come back with a bid. But I don't know if that was an in-person interaction or just a phone call or email or you know, I don't know how football clubs are bought because I've never bought one. So yeah. Yeah, but we would if we were rich. Yeah, yeah. if we were rich, we'd buy the heck out of Newcastle. Actually, oh. if we were rich, we'd convince like an uh, a prince to buy like fifty one percent of Newcastle, and then we'd buy like like twenty five percent each. Yeah, I'm I'm in. Yeah, because I don't want to like put that in equals one hundred and one percent, but I still like it. Still oh like yeah, it. well I'll put in twenty four. You put in twenty. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so um, and and it's something too. Last episode we. Uh, we also said about how in the U.S. you see owners at every match. And then here we are, like, being shocked that Mike Ashley went to one match. He's now back-to-back. So maybe it's a trend. I Honestly, regardless of who the owner is, if they are there constantly, I think it's only a positive. Because we did a chant in the match, said, if stand up if you hate Mike Ashley or stand up if you want Ashley out, one of the two. And he, he was caught on, on TV laughing at it. but. You're not going to understand the pulse of your club unless you're there. It, mm-hmm. like you're never going to know watching on TV or listening on radio. Once you're there, you'll figure it out. And I, I think the only thing that can come from it is positive if he keeps showing up because he's really going to understand the severity of these protests. So um, just my two cents on it. All right, next thing is uh, Tony Cascarino, former player from Newcastle, had some harsh words for Rafa Benitez following this Leicester match. Uh, Just a quote that he said was that Rafa Benitez should be taking some of the blame for Newcastle's struggles. He's been getting away with it until now. Don't get me wrong. Some of these decisions at the board level have made things difficult. And yes, they haven't spent big in recent transfer windows, but the performances on the pitch at home have not been good enough. I'm not talking about those games against top six where Benitez sets his teams up to defend. I don't mind that. I mean games like Saturday where they're playing against Leicester City in front of 52,000 fans and they managed to have one shot on target. They had only 18 shots on target in seven games all season, the joint fewest along Cardiff and Huddersfield. They have created only 32 goal-scoring chances, the lowest total in the league. Even Huddersfield and Cardiff have managed more. They they are better than that. I'm going to have to say here, like I completely agree with this. 
like against Leicester at home in front of 52,000, as we, Elijah and I both said, we're going to, we're going to go for it. And they just didn't. And I, I have problems with that. I'm not claiming to know more than Rafa and I'm not claiming to know what is going on the training ground, but where I get confused is you have arguably your most creative player. I understand that the season's been a little bit of a different story, but Kennedy being one of your most creative players starting at left back. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know about that, especially when you're desperate with points. You're not, I mean, and he's not going to be, especially in the first half, he wasn't going forward much at all. Like you don't put him there. And there's just so many other decisions. Like we mentioned every time dropping Matt Ritchie off, uh, is subbing him out. And every time you, Jacob Murphy has the best match of the season for him. And then he's nowhere to be found. Like what I, these decisions are really questionable. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, how is Iosi Perez still playing? Well, well, well me. he completed a through ball. He, yep. At seven matches in, he completed his first through ball. It's those <laughs> decisions that I do think personally that Rafa Benitez deserves criticism in that. And it's not to say that I look, I, I support Rafa all the way. I'm completely on his side. I think he's a world-class manager, but you have to wonder some of these things. Like, are you consistently putting us in the best position to win? And at times I say no. Recently, I've really, really felt that. Or putting us in the best position to get points. I Putting Kennedy at left back to me does not sound like we're going for it. And I understand we had an injury there, but I would rather have Kennedy playing at a wing or the 10 and Mankiw at left back than putting Kennedy at left back. I don't know. What do you think here? There, there, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be to, to, to unpack here. I think um, I, I kind of saw the rationale in putting Kennedy at left back simply because we've put Clark there. It hasn't gone great. We've put Mankio there. We know how that looks. So it's like I kind of understand that you want to try something new. And to Rafa's defense, Kennedy has played left back before. Um, he's not the best defender, but um, I think you saw in the first half he's really more focused on trying to um, be that defensive anchor, um, especially since, you know, the back line wasn't at its best. Um, you know, from just compared to what we've seen in, in previous seasons, um, not previous seasons, in previous games. So I, I, I do understand this, the idea of starting Kennedy at left back. What I don't understand is starting Christian Hatsu, who has been bad for yes. almost a year now. Um, I don't understand why Murphy's on the bench. I don't understand why Matt Ritchie's getting subbed off. I mean, you obviously you're desperate and you have to, you have to start Hosselu, which he just proves that he's just he's never going to be a clinical finisher um, with missing yet another one-on-one situation, wide open net, just couldn't make the decision on whether to shoot or pass. You're a freaking striker. Shoot the ball. Um, and, you know, Iose Perez and the, the love, you know, the relationship they have together, I don't know what it is, but they're, like, in love with each other. And, and honestly, it's just weird. Um, it makes no sense, and I don't know. I just I, some I, there's certain times I just I don't understand Rafa, and this is this is one. 
Um, I just, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. And it, I don't want to be the one to criticize Rafa, but I do believe, I do agree with Tony Gascarino in, in saying that he is not above criticism and that we are still on this podcast for sure. I think I can speak for you. We are 100% behind him. But at the same time, like you, like, for example, our first sub of this match, and we'll get into it, Murphy for Richie. Okay, you're putting in a player who has seemed promising in his only start in for a guy who's arguably our best player of the year. Like, is that helping? Or you're putting Kennedy a left back to avoid Mankio, but then you still sub Mankio on. Those things <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you might as well just start. I don't know. It, those things just – Make me wonder, and like I said before, I, I don't know what's happening on the training ground, and I'm not questioning him. It's just something I think should be raised. I still want him to be our manager. I think he is our best possible manager. But like I said, nobody is above criticism. So uh, last thing, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's very early, but um, there are some reports that came out, the sun. So again, take this very lightly. Um, but Newcastle were linked with a Italian center back. Again, <laughs> take it lightly because we have a lot of center backs. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, we're launching, apparently we're going to be set to launch a January bid for an Italian center back uh, to bolster our defense, which is interesting. Uh, but it's 24-year-old Italian center back Francesco Vicari. He's at Spa. Elijah, take a chance on what Spa is. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read it. Um, just precursor. I actually, I did. I studied Italian for six years. Oh um, no. While I was really? abroad. So, oh. Yeah. Societa Porcilla Porteva Ars et Labor. That was, that was a lie. Who goes wow. abroad for six years? Right? I was about to say like <laughs> 21. You said you studied it and here we are. You speak in fluent Italian. I was like you're way above studying. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. um Mikari, he was you, you live in Italy for six years, you learn the language. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um uh, well I, I at first I thought you got me, but then I heard you speak and I was like, Oh Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you heard that it sounded like <laughs> someone like choking on words. Yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> yeah. Um so he uh Vicari's been playing for the Italian U twenty one side. Always promising. Um, and then he's been linked with Slavin Bilic's West Ham last year. Uh, he, he was playing in, Itali- uh, in Serie C, so the third tier in Italy, but got moved up to Serie A, and apparently it's been going very well. So it's just something to keep an eye on. We're not going to go into it because we're not even close enough to get into that type of talk. So let's get into Leicester. Let's get into it. So um, we lose 2-0. It wasn't pretty. Uh, our starting lineup, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. We had Dubrovka, Yedlin, Clark, Lascelles, and Dubs. Kennedy. Um, so our back four, a little bit changed. One, because Fernandez picked up a knock. So that's where you see Clark. And then Paul Dummett also picking up a knock, which is where we talked about you see Kennedy taking that place. Then you have in the midfield, Richie, Shelby, Diame, and Atsu. And then Perez and Hasselu kind of going up top. Elijah, what are your, without like re- repeating or any other thoughts that you had about the lineup? 
Okay, it is another additional thought. So I think a lot of people cool. are running where Share was. And um, Rafa had some comments last week about Muto. Um, and uh, and it kind of kind of gave me some some light on how Rafa kind of treats his signings, and I think why Rafa thinks it's so important to get them in before um, before when we got all of our players, basically. Um, so he made this these comments about Muto, basically saying that uh, Muto has to adjust the English game still, and um, that's the reason he doesn't get enough playing time. They sit with him, watch film, and show him that. There's a different level of physicality. There's a different style of play you have to you pay attention to. You have to adjust differently. And Muto's slowly learning. And we, I think we saw a bit of that this week, um, this past weekend. We'll get into that later. As Muto, he looked pretty good. Um, but I think Cher's in a similar situation. I don't think Cher's struggling that much with the physicality of the Premier League, but possibly just tactically on how to defend on some of these um, de- defend in the Premier League and defend in Ra- with Rafa's tactics, per se. I think that's the only reason Cher is not playing as many minutes as, you know, all of us hope and think that he should. Um, yeah. Other than that, there's nothing new to say about this uh, team selection. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like, I, it's been known, too, even at Real Madrid, Rafa was so tactical, even with the be- arguably the best club in the world, as far as skill set goes. He was so strong tactically in his mindset that if you weren't as sharp, he would bench you. And that's part of the reason why it fell out there. It doesn't matter if you're the best center back in the world. If you're not in the spot that he wants you to be, you're not going to play. Um, so, I, And it could be a little case of that. I do think Cher is talented, is talented enough to start. But if something like that is happening, I get it because that's been in line with what Rafa's has done his career, right? Mm. Yeah. So I, I feel like – that that could easily be the solution. I think that is the most likely solution as well uh, because there's no other reason you wouldn't go get a star World Cup center back and then not play him for no other reason, right? You're, it's, it has to be something else. So, okay, so we'll get into it. Um, so we had – we actually – it was kind of a slow start, but we actually had two chances, one for Hasselu, one for Modiame, that easily could have changed the match. We – could have we're, we're getting into what ifs here but could have gone up 2-0 i think in this uh, we i think we had the two clear best chances to start the match and but we were not by any means dominating the match so don't get those confused but it was the 30th minute and i actually have two sides to this i'll, I'll start with the negative side and then i want to hear your take on this elijah the negative side is this yedlin i think is having a great year so actually let me let me talk about the play so in the 30th minute, Yedlin is guarding McGuire, and McGuire blasts the ball right at Yedlin, but his arm is raised, so it's a penalty. Uh, and it, Jamie Vardy takes it. He hits a very low penalty, dead on. Like Dubrovka dives the right way, and he almost got to it, but honestly, any person hits a pen like that, it's going in. I give all the credit to Vardy there. He uh, hit that perfectly. And Dubrovka, I mean, also credit to Dubrovka. He was – I mean, that was a hell of an attempt on his end. Just, you know, it was perfectly hit. So, but Yenlin is guarding McGuire here, and he is, it's unavoidable in my opinion, and it hits Yedlin's arm. And, I mean, McGuire blasted it at him. I mean, he knew that was what he was going for, to me. I, that's what I saw. Did you agree with that? Like, McGuire wasn't trying to shoot at net. He was trying to hit Yedlin's hand. Did you yeah. feel that? 
Yeah, but I think McGuire knows the rules, and he knows it's going to be called the pen. And, exactly. I mean, you know, ultimately, it, it, there's there. It, you're right. There are two sides to the story because the other side is that, like, Yedlin, why are your arms up in the box? Like, like every player instinctually, like they know to keep their arms low, keep them down, uh, use use your back, use your shoulder, use anything but your arms um, in the box, and. and Hopefully, there's covered behind you to stop a cross or stop a shot. So, it, yeah, two sides. Yeah. 100%. So, so my negative point of this is Yedlin is having a, a great season, but he has made some very costly mistakes this year. We had the penalty at Cardiff, right? Uh, no. Where was the penalty? It wasn't at Cardiff. Chelsea? Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, it was Yedlin's. Okay, I don't know if well, that's a mistake. Or wait, no, was Chelsea? No, Chelsea was Fernandez. Fernandez dove in. No, you're right, yeah. Uh, Yedlin did have a penalty though. But I remember we're bad being at memory. Mad that Yedley, Yedlin's penalty was he not. Had, yeah, he had like the best game in a while, but he also gave up. Oh, it was an own goal. Oh yeah, that's, that's what it was. What it was. Okay, it was, so my he bad. Just scored, and then he gave up the own goal, and yeah. it was like not even his fault. It was like everyone. It, went, it was against fault. Chelsea. You're right. Yeah. Ross Barkley. <laughs> I remember Ross Barkley was on the back end of that, ready to tap it in. So my yeah. my negative side is that Yedlin has made costly mistakes this year, albeit some great defensive performances, but costly. And and this was costly. You know you. As you said, you know you know the rules. Harry knows the rules. Yedlin knows the rules. Keep your hand down. That's just what you got to do. Mike however, knows the rules. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows the rules. But however, on the positive side, because I don't think Yedlin should get benched for this decision, but I feel like this hasn't been a penalty that long. Like, our, when we got this penalty awarded to us at Cardiff – it was pretty much the same thing. It was, you know, a shot right at a player's hand who was up, and we got the penalty. We didn't convert. But there's been plenty of times where, like, two, three, four years ago, where if it's seen as unavoidable contact and the hand isn't obviously outstretched, it's not a penalty. And it wasn't that long ago where these were waved off. And I mean that. And somebody can call me out and say I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, like, even when we played in the championship, many of these – position these situations happen in the championship and were not awarded penalties because it was seen as unavoidable contact with an with an arm that was kind of by the side or maybe would have been a little bit up but still tucked in a bit this Yedlin's arm was not out do we agree on that yeah. it wasn't stretched away from his body it was mean, like I, he was it, obviously trying to block it right it's it's definitely controversial. Like I mean, uh, it's definitely controversial, but it's also could have. I feel like it could have been avoidable, but it also does draw the line. It does it does tiptoe along that line where it's like, okay, you know that if it, if the tables are turned, that maybe Newcastle doesn't get that call, or if it's a different ref that's not called. Yeah. Or if there's VAR, it could be reversed. So it, I, I agree. It's Do you think if VAR was implemented that that would be reversed, in your honest opinion? No, because I think VAR decisions, and this has been, this is, and this is, and, and like, I don't, I mean, a lot of, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of these people have caught on the fact that we're American and we watch the MLS. Um, and so yeah. we've seen VAR a lot. And it seems to me 
from what I've noticed, that VAR decisions surrounding penalties are like they they tend to try to play it safe. Um, you don't get a lot of reversals either direction. So even if it's like a penalty going um, a penalty, if if it's called a penalty and they review, reverse it, it takes a lot for them to to not call it a penalty. If it's something with like hand placement, I think that's if there's like even a less chance that you want to go back on your word. So I don't know. I I think that it would actually probably stay, but yeah, there would be a very. It would, I think you'd have even more conversation about why it shouldn't have been called a penalty. If that makes sense. Like, I still think that they would have just held their ground and been like, no, it's a penalty. It's kind of up in the air. S- same thing with, like, NFL, where it's like you confirm the call or you or the call stands. I think the penalty would stand, per se. Yeah, and I, I just saw a lot of fans say, oh, that's a stonewall pen. And I'm like, was it? Like, yeah, maybe now, but literally, I feel like there was no rule change, but all of a sudden it got stricter. And, that, and that's where my mindset was going. And regardless, like, Yedlin has to be aware of this. Like, you cannot lift your hand up in the box, especially when somebody is attacking at you. Like, you don't do it. Like, he has to understand that. Because as we know now, it's a penalty now, no matter what, even if it's unavoidable. Yeah. So he has, to, he has to learn better. And that's a criticism on Yedlin. And I feel like I'm yelling at my child right now. That's, it hurts. But hey, it true. does hurt. It hurts. Okay. So next thing, uh, so we went to the half down one nothing, and the mood was bad. It, it wasn't going well. Um, we had a few changes, or really only one before it got really ugly, but it was Murphy for Richie, which to me, I've kind of touched on this. That's awesome. I think Murphy does deserve a shot, but don't take out – I am I wrong in thinking Richie isn't one of our best players right now? I, 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 I don't actually understand why Richie keeps getting subbed off. I, like, I almost you had the conspiracy theory last week. It. Yeah, I mean, I do, and it's, it, it's, it is. It's, it's the NBA thing. That's, that has to be the only, that's the only logical explanation because it just doesn't make any sense. Every single match, he goes, he gives his all every single, uh, like, to the final whistle every single time. Well, no, to the final to sub. Well, yeah, to the final sub, <laughs> to that final whistle, and then the board coming up, and him seeing his name, and him cursing. But I don't think Matt's played a full game this season. I, like, you, you, someone fact-checked us on this. I don't think he's played a full game this season. I mean, we all remember the very first game where there was a famous meme of him uh, when he got set off and they subbed off and they cut to the bench. Like, it's just – I don't know. He, he creates chances every time he's on the ball – he tries to, he gets in a position, he makes great runs, and he goes back and defends. It's like the winger that Rafa wants or the winger that you'd want on your side, and then you sub him out every single time for someone who is less proven because he's the most proven winger on the team. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I no matter who you – even if you subbed him off for Kennedy, it's like you still are like, okay, I get it, but, like, Kennedy, like we've already discussed, he's been pretty inconsistent this season. I'm some might say pretty bad. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's something that really has been bugging me. I think like if you're, especially if you're down, you're right at this point, 65th minute, you're down one Oh, and you're, you're going to take out Richie for Murphy. That's if anything at best, it's an even sub, depending if Murphy reaches his form against man city at 
And at worst, it's not you're taking off a better player for for Murphy. So, like, to me, it's like you're trying to win this match or salvage a point. Then Richie coming out isn't your sub here to me. Um, and that's my criticism. Uh, and I, I know we don't have, like, depth. <laughs> that's not something we have. But I don't know. Like, I feel like you could still navigate and ideally say, okay, if, you know, maybe keep Richie on because he's an attacking winger. I don't know. Just my thoughts. Um, okay, so then shortly after that, it was actually seven minutes after, uh, 72nd minute. So uh, Kennedy was the great left back that he is. He uh, was attempting a clearance, but instead he conceded a corner in like a really weird way. <laughs> and he was trying to clear it, but it went backwards. Um, yeah, cool. So the ball was – Hit it by James Madison, who, as we mentioned in the preview, you should listen to our podcast because we're right a lot. Um, James Madison, who's the corner taker, and he's been having a great year for Leicester. Um, but he swung it into the area. Harry Maguire met it right at the, what, 10 yards, 5 to 10 yards, somewhere in there, and powered ahead or right past Dubrovka. Um, it was another controversial goal for me because Maguire's arms were on Clark's shoulders, like pressed against Clark's shoulders. It's one of those things, like sometimes it's a pen. I mean, sometimes it's a foul. Sometimes it's given. I, this time it was given. I think, I think 80% of the time it, it's, it's, it's not a foul because okay. like, you know, and this is just because refs are – and this is every sport. Refs are always biased towards the the offensive player every time. Like, you can – you it's just like no matter what, the offensive player is going to get the benefit of the doubt, and they're always going to be looking to see how did the defender prevent someone from scoring rather than how did the offensive player uh, leverage himself to or herself um, to, to create a goal. Yeah. It's, how, it's the nature of – of sport and maybe it's a psychological thing. Maybe that's the next research paper I'm going to write, but it's, it's frustrating when you're, when you don't benefit from it, but you're extremely happy when you benefit from it. So yeah, it's just one of those Audi luck index. Well, actually, yep. sorry. It's the IBM luck index. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I also failed to mention the sub before this goal. So I'll backtrack a tad in the uh, so three minutes before this goal, Muto actually came on for Perez. So Muto got an extra ten minutes. So he Muto. before he, he was getting ten, now he's getting twenty in this one. Um, coming on for another awful performance. I don't care if he got a through ball; it was just bad again. Muto came on; he got an extra extra bit of playing time. How do you think Muto did? Uh, I think Muto was was good. I, I I don't know. It's just weird that he doesn't play. It's fun watching him. Um, he's so fast, and he of course has the two expressions: uh, yeah. constipated or half smile. I like. I don't even know if those are the two faces I said last week, but we're just gonna roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's 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 fun to watch, and he seems like he wants to get really involved, and he's itching, 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 itching to prove that he's he can make it in the Premier League especially after being, you know, the guy at a lower league Bundesliga club where it's like when you're the guy at a lower league club, the thing you want to do the most 
and not a lower league in the sense of like Bundesliga Zwei. I mean, lower league in the sense that they were always at the bottom of the league. But the thing you want to do if you're a good player on a bad team is that you want to prove that you can be a good player on a good team. And so I think I like that that bit of hunger that that Muto plays with. Um, and I just I really hope that this is the game where Rafa's like, okay, he's gotten 20 minutes. Maybe we should give him, you know, 30 minutes. And then that creeps up to <laughs> just 10 minutes him. per match now. Yeah. And like, and the thing is because of Rafa's tactics, he gets the 30 minutes. The next step is just to start him. So yeah, in yeah. two matches, I'm calling it. That's Prediction horn right there. Okay. I mean, I would love it. Obviously we know my bias against Perez, but, um, you, you know, I mean, I think he, he did well. And even we'll get into some of Graham's questions later. Thanks, thank you, Graham. You asked some great questions again. But he was saying, like, I thought Muto was the bright spot of the match. I thought he was our best player for the 30 minutes, 31 minutes that he was in. And I don't disagree. I don't know who else you would pick either, <laughs> which is sad. Um, but, yeah, it's just something to, to note. I mean – Perez, come! I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. It's just so frustrating to me. I hate to have to keep going to this point, but he's he's not good. So I mentioned at our, I think our, it was our very first episode, our preview pod, Elijah, and we were talking about the year, and I said, Perez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going down the hole. I, I no, no, but down. no, it's just. The preview pod, Ryan said we were going to finish in a EuroLeague spot. Yeah, I, we're just uh, – wow, that was awkward. Yeah. Okay, it, that was a long – it seems like it was years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if, if y'all didn't listen to our very first episode, episode numero uno, uh, site manager Brian Nelson. Sorry to bring this up again, Brian, if you're listening. I hope you are. But uh, he said we would get Europa League this year and uh, – we would it would be one heck of a comeback and I'm certainly rooting for that. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I said Perez, one of his strengths is that he really loves that late run into the box, which number tens do. They're they're that extra person coming in just at the right time after the attackers have have gotten into the box. And Perez really excelled at that. But he he's not good enough to be a starting number ten. I would love it. And I would actually like to see this, and I'm open to it completely, having Muto start and Perez coming on with the final 10 minutes because I actually think that could benefit us, having a fresh Perez, 10 minutes to play, him making that late run into the box. I think that could work. But he's not a starter. Like I don't want him in there for 70, 80 minutes because he does nothing. No, He doesn't have the effectiveness that we need right there in that position. And I'd rather have – like I understand he scored 10 goals, but I'm, I'd rather have Muto who scored – 10 plus goals in two straight years in the Bundesliga, do it, get, get the shot here. And I could be wrong. He could be awful, Muto, and, you know, that's it. But I don't know. Just here I am again talking about the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I think, oh, I will say this about Muto. He didn't go down easily like he used to. Um, so that's, that's oh, good point. I think good he's point. gotten used to the physicality, which I think that's a positive, and I think that's what Rafa is waiting for. Um, Rafa's also trying to learn Japanese. So um, that's something that is happening. And it kind of makes me feel bad that I don't know German anymore. So 
um, I got to learn German again. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen a Macam in Milan? And have you ever seen a Spaniard speak Japanese? That's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> then <laughs> we had in the 80th minute, down 2-0, Mankio came, comes on for Yedlin. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're going to put Kennedy as left back, why are you subbing on Mankio at all? Mm. Thoughts? How do you think Mankio did? Uh, like, I don't know what you want me to say. Mankio's Mankio. He's awful, so we just keep him moving. Do you think um, that there was any positivity there on your end for him? I mean... I don't. I'm just asking. If you... <laughs> like, I, uh, he, he made a couple tackles, so good for him. Um, but hey, conspiracy theory. Uh, so you you mentioned this in our our Slack chat because we're trendy. Uh, hashtag Slack. Um, that uh, one Akraf 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 Lazar. Akraf Lazar, yeah. Uh, he made an appearance today with the U twenty threes. So just throwing it out there, maybe Rafa might get desperate if this dummit injury is worse than we think. And we might see a little bit of Lazar on Lazar action. Yep, and he did get an assist today. But to be fair, it is the lowest division in the Premier League 2. Um, division 2 of the Premier League 2, which is the lowest lowest tier. Uh, also, but he did I, get I an assist. Him, I just want to see him come out in a number 57. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that would be so great. They did win. uh, They beat Fulham 5-2 today. My man, I'll say this now, Elias Sorensen, the Danish striker, replaced Luke Sharman, who went out alone, has been scoring when he wants. He had a hat trick today against Fulham in the 23s. Three goals. He was he's he's been a monster, honestly, since we called him up. He was on the U18s and was doing very well there. And he's come to the U23s, and it looks like he's facing off against the same competition. So that is just a very positive sign. There is nothing bad to say about him at this point. So we'll keep you in, in track with that. I won't go down that hole because I could probably talk to, about him for an hour. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, that, so that's the match. I mean, that's the biggest point of it. Uh, 2-0 loss, and it's, it, it's not pretty. One shot on goal at home, it's, it's not what you want to see. So some of the, the quotes of the game, Rafa – Mentioned it. He said, obviously, I'm disappointed. We conceded two goals from set pieces and didn't take our chances. We had those two chances, uh, and he's referencing Hasselu and Diame. That could have changed everything. Then we conceded the penalty, and we were, we were competing in the second half. We conceded from the corner. Uh, we have done well. Then we make mistakes, and when you concede, it's always more difficult for you. We knew it could have been a difficult game today, but we conceded from a penalty and a corner. This always makes it harder to take. Definitely. Um, he also mentioned second goal killed them mentally. He's disappointed. Just exactly what you would expect from him. And, and I agree. We did have our chances. And when we went down with that pen, it didn't feel like we were going to score anytime soon. And even in our 2-1 losses, we had that comeback in the 85th minute and we'll get a goal right around 90. And then there's a fighting chance of hope for three minutes. Then we'll get nothing. Today, that match, I didn't even feel that, did you? I missed that last part. Oh, the classic "You're boring me, Greg." <laughs> no, no. I, said, um, I literally hear. I literally heard blank, and then did did you? Oh, yeah. I, I said like in in previous uh, in our previous two one losses, I we had that spark in the eighty fifth minute. Then we'd get a goal. It'd be two one. 
and then you felt like, oh, wow, there's, there's a chance we can salvage a point here. Today against Leicester, I, I did not feel that at all. Did you, were, were, are you in agreement there? I just was like Cardiff all over. I was just, there was nothing yeah. that yeah, happened. Yeah. It was I a agree. bad performance from everyone. There was no motivation. I don't know what's going on within the locker room um, because there were reports that there was a little yelling match in the locker room afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. Dubrovka made, made, a, made some comments about that. I don't know what's going on in the locker room. I, I don't know what's going on, um, you know, between Rafa and the players. I will say this, um, that Mike Ashley being a terrible owner is not something new. And it's been an issue that people have complained about for years. And under Rafa, this, we've never performed this badly, despite the constant cries for Mike Ashley to be out. And you can argue that it's worse now, but usually outside of factors have not, outside of factors have not affected the team performance. And for some reason, it feels like this season it has. And maybe it's because the lack of investment has been reared its ugly head in the worst possible way. And the fact that, like, We've had a lot of it. We've had a fair bit of injuries, um, and you've missed out on some signings. You missed out on, uh, you know, what's looking to be a bust in Salman Rondon just because of his nagging thigh injury. You see what happens when Yedlin's injured. You see what happens when Dumas injured. The whole defense is completely different. It's changed. You see what happens when Shelby's gone. You see the lack of depth and why you needed investments, and you see that maybe the players Rafa wanted are still out there and they're possibly doing much better in different places. And I don't know, maybe that's finally having an effect on the players. I don't know what it is. They just got to fix yeah. it. It yeah. just has to be fixed at some point or you can really like, and I don't think we're in that deep of a hole yet, but you know, like, like Greg, Greg, you've been preaching after 10 matches is when we'll kind of really understand, but yeah, it's a, uh, it doesn't look pretty right now, but I'm not, I'm not freaking out completely. I do think there is some cause for criticism for Rafa, but I do think that this week is going to be huge in terms of refocusing as a team yeah. um, and trying to you know, at least get a win. And I think once they get a win underneath their belts, they can build some momentum and really kind of feed off of that and they know that this season isn't shot. Well – uh, we'll get into some stats for you. Um, in all of Newcastle United's relegation seasons after seven matches, this is the lowest point total of any of those seasons that we've had through seven. Um, in our last 10 Premier League seasons, 10 is an important number because that's since Mike Ashley's reign. This is the lowest point total through seven games that we've had in the Prem. Two points. We had three in 15-16, which was our relegation year. Um, and we had, uh, four goals through seven, which is on pace. I did a little calculating is for on pace for 22 goals this season, uh, which the lowest Newcastle United has ever scored in a premier league season is 35, which is 13 more goals than we're on pace for right now. That's not something nice to see. So Newcastle United have Bit, lost all eight matches they've played this year, that's league and cup games, and have not held a lead in any of them. We've not led for one minute this season. Something else to think about. Yeah, that's true, because even the Chelsea match, we tied it up. And yep. then, yeah. Even not even Farts. the only one where it looks like, you know, yeah. 
even taking Forrest, not even Forrest into consideration, we have not even we did not even lead in that match. Wow. Yeah. Um, that that's a. That, yeah. that I think that okay. I think the issue is, and it's very evident, is we don't know where the goals are going to come from. <laughs> yeah. Because Hustle has been bad, and Rondon, it's it, yeah. Uh, it's I don't know if you could say Rondon's been bad, but he's just he hasn't been in the lineup. Um, I, I do think he, it's fair to say he hasn't gotten a legitimate chance. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know what do you what what have you done for me lately? At the same at the same point, I see I both mean, sides. And, it, and you could you could argue that he started against uh, Arsenal that and that's like as good of a chance as he's gotten per se. And, and this weekend would have been the opportunity for him to really get a chance. But even then, if he starts this weekend and, and fair play to Hoselu, like you're not going to get the service given the fact that, you know, your winger, your winger, like you don't have Kennedy out, out wide and you, uh, yeah. And you've got Perez behind you. So if you're rolling with a front three, well, a three attacking three behind you of Perez, Richie, and Atsu. I'm not that confident I'm going to get many chances at all. I'm yeah. outside of that swinging ball in from uh, from Matt Richie. So, yeah, it's tough, and you can start to see that um, that the the issue with scoring goals is is a multifaceted problem, and it has to be addressed in more than one area. And I think. The biggest way to address it is to buy a striker in the January window and buy number ten in the January window. Um, I'm just there's two available in Atlanta. I'm just yeah, but do they out. willingly go to a club who's in a relegation fight? That's oh no, and and I mean that's a that's another rabbit hole. But long story short, Darren Eels has gone on record saying, uh, and this is on record via the Men and Blazers podcast live show they did in Atlanta. Um, he's gone on record saying that they're only if, you know, when Miguel Amarone and Joseph Martinez are sold, it will be to clubs where they can see the most success and where it makes sense for them and clubs that are like where it's where, you know, they're going to be good quality clubs basically. And if Newcastle aren't in that position, they like they can they can wait to sell Almarone and Joseph Martinez. Like there's no rush um from Atlanta United side to sell them if Newcastle's the only bidder. If it's between like Newcastle and Leipzig and let's say like Torino and I don't know, Lazio, then then Newcastle are not even gonna you know be in consideration. But if it's just Newcastle, they don't mind waiting till the summer. But anyway, yeah. um that We're, being said, we can get way down a rabbit hole on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um two more stats for you. Uh we have never begun a season. Newcastle United has never – this has never happened before where they've had four straight home league defeats to start a season. It's never happened. And then for them, if you go back to the last time that Newcastle United were winless going in October, you'd have to go to 1898 to 99. 1898, not 1998, 1898 was the last time that Newcastle did not win before the month of October. So not some good stats. Now I'll just have one more stat for you, the positive side of it. <laughs> if you think I couldn't find a positive stat, I did. So um, according to 538, which I think is a great statistic site, um, they 
grade every Premier League team based on a sports power index. An SPI is what it's given. So Newcastle actually have the 13th best squad in the Premier League, according to the statistics site. And this puts everything into account, how they performed during current results. So it, it, and I could see how that would be accurate considering how we've played against top six sides, which is better than most. So the, the, the squads that are ranked lower than us right now this season are Burnmouth, then you have West Ham, then you have Brighton, Burnley, Fulham, Cardiff City, and Huddersfield are the, the squads that it has ranked lower than us. And it has uh, also the relegation percentage. So the Newcastle are actually not the top three teams percentage-wise to be relegated yet. We are actually uh, – we have the – uh, fifth highest chance to get you relegated right now, not the top three, which is good. So they have listed as Huddersfield as 57% chance. Cardiff City as 57% chance. Fulham as 32% chance. And then Burnley at 29, Newcastle at 28 to be relegated. So a couple statistics websites that I definitely trust and look at a lot are saying that Newcastle is still fine. They're not in trouble yet. And that leads me to my wait till 10 games. We play Brighton. We play Southampton, we get a few, we get some wins. We string up a few results. Everything could change, but let's just wait until that point. So, uh, real quick, Elijah, who's your who's your best player? Um, oof, that's that's a tough one. I might have to go with. Um, I is a. Pair of, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even finish it. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I wouldn't say controversial, but um, maybe controversial for this podcast, considering just kind of bashed him but I'm going to go with uh, Kennedy given the circumstances um, he's had to play left back which is just, uh, you could say secondary position something that he's not used to and I mentioned he played it before but he was really more playing left wing back under uh, Conte system so uh, it's still a bit of a different role but having to bunker and defend and still manage to get I think he had north of 25 touches um, in the match is still it's still very impressive um, especially considering how uninvolved the rest of the team was with the match. So um, I, I, I have to – I'll say Kennedy was probably one of our best players. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna still go on brand and say Muto was our best player because it wasn't Perez at the 10. Okay. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to Dubrovka um, because yep. I think he, he had a pretty good game as well. Um, goalkeepers don't typically get a lot of love in general. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Dubrovka. Yeah, uh, I honestly think he's having a great year. I mean, you look yeah. at the goal scoring record and you're like, oh, he's not that good. But that's that's more of a statistic for people that don't watch Newcastle. They just see, oh, his goals against isn't that good. But, like, you clearly don't watch the matches if you don't think he's good. <laughs> it's also a statistic for people who don't watch – um, the Premier League, because I think if you look at his goals, if you look at his goals against and then read the list of teams that he's come up against, you like, yeah, okay. yeah, okay, that's really good considering that you've you're playing a team that's literally running through the mid yeah. lower league uh, teams, all beating them five one four one five two things like that in Man City and playing against a Chelsea team that is absolutely on fire right now. So um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of where I was getting at. Like, if you if you say, oh yeah, but he couldn't. I mean, still gave up two goals against Man City. I was like, did you see that triple save on the goal line that he had? <laughs> did you see that you you said two goals against Man City? That's yeah, something yeah. that not a lot of goalkeepers can that, say. 
if that yeah. keeps up one more season, a two to one loss could still be a three point reward for a team soon. It could be a rule change. So we'll see. Oh, um, uh, worst player. Um, I mean, you know, who I'm going to say, um, it's definitely Jose Perez. Um, I think in general, I think you, I think DeAndre Yedlin had one of his worst games as a Newcastle player. Um, I just didn't think he looked that good. Even out sands the, the penalty he gave up. He just didn't really look that, um, that involved as he normally is, as involved as he normally is. Um, I think I'm very much so in all facets of seeing DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, I, I like how he continues to bomb forward and try to get involved with attack. And we didn't really see a lot of that. Um, and um, so, yeah, that, I think that he's someone that, you know, is worth the criticism, of course, outside of uh, your your main man. Yeah, I, I would hate to – I mean, I hate to – I'm not – he's my second worst player for sure, Yedlin. And I hate to say that to him, but anytime you get subbed out 2-0 down by Javier Manquillo comes in to replace you when you need a win or a draw, like, you know it's not going well for you. So he's my second worst. My worst is Clark. Oh, um, wow. I don't think he – I just don't think he did well. I mean, I think he's gotten beat up every time he's been in, and I think this is a, another match where he didn't perform. So I don't really have much going on outside of that. <laughs> I was just, I was just. You said worst player, and then you said oh, yeah, Clark, yeah. and I was I, like, I meant to that's actually, what shocked me. <laughs> I actually meant to say, I meant to preface because, like, everyone knows who my worst player is. I'm going to pick Clark just so I don't keep saying the same thing over and over again. I really did mean to say that, and I just completely forgot to say that. So that's my bad. That's my bad. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we're get, we'll get into the Premier League table. Uh, Newcastle are still in 18th, unchanged from last week. We're on two points. Uh, Cardiff and Huddersfield are also on two points, but we have six and seven goal difference better than them, respectively. Um, Fulham is ahead of us with five Southampton has five and Brighton have five. If you don't remember after we play Manchester United next, we'll preview that later in the week, but then we have Brighton and Southampton and they are 15 and 16 respectively. So big opportunity here for us to, these are, I mean, I hate to say it this early, but these are six pointers coming up, um, Mm -hmm. uh, matches that are going to be really big into our relegation fight that we have to win. So um, that's the bottom of the table. Top of the table, Man City, number one. Liverpool finally didn't win. They got the draw. So they're locked at the top. Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, three, four, five. Watford, six. Burnham seventh. And then our next opponent, opponent Manchester United, in 10th at uh, 10 points. So uh, let's get into your questions. We got our usual suspects this week. Guys, please ask questions. We really want to hear from you. It could be funny. It could be really serious. It could be not even Newcastle United related. If you want to ask us questions about your relationship, if you need advice, oh, that's what we're yeah. here for this. Like literally, you can ask us anything and we want to hear from you. does not yeah. have to be related. Like literally, I, I'm not even joking. Like please, like give us relationship advice. We're good at this. We're experts. Yeah. Uh, I won't tell Greg, you what we're experts on, but. Yeah. Greg, you're, you're married, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm married. Actually, uh, not a year yet, but this month will be a year. So wow, I remember. I remember <laughs> when Greg got married. I wasn't yeah. invited to the wedding, of course, um, because we weren't podcast hosts yet. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the only. Now. You would be now. Yeah, yeah, now. Also, <laughs> I I was in Syracuse. So. Yeah, yeah, was, and wedding was in Charleston, but uh, beautiful place, Charleston, South Carolina. 
Yeah. Uh, you should definitely go, especially if you love golf. Especially if you love the Charleston Battery, a USL soccer team. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Digging deep. I, I love had it. Had to plug. Had to plug. So we have four questions from Graham. Thanks, Graham. You're the man. Um, I will arrange this not in chronological order. We'll do the serious ones first. Okay. Uh, and he said, apart from Buto, I couldn't see any other positives from the Leicester game. Can you? I'll just give a short answer to this one. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, a positive question. Um, positive from that game. Uh, Mike Ashley was there. That actually, I I know people are not going to be happy with us, but that I think that is a positive. That's, that's such a good thing. Like I think people, if you're not, it's such an American. Like every American listening to this podcast understands how important it is for owners to be at games, and and get a real good sense of the club and where they stand at the club. But I think that like a lot of people over, it's just not. I don't know why, but owners just don't do it. And I don't even. I don't want to hear the. NFL owners have less games to go to because NBA owners sit courtside at the majority yeah. of their games, and that's an 82-game season. So yeah, not want to hear any of and that. They, and they travel on the road, too. They go to all yeah. of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like that's – I know for a fact the, the I'm a Phillies fan in baseball, and their owner is pretty much at every, and that's 162 games. So yeah, so, much there all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I – And that's baseball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's like three and a half hours. If anything, if it doesn't distribute anything positive, like that we can see, he sees what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're yeah. chanting. When he's sitting there and you see on the TVs, he's smiling and laughing when they're doing the stand-up chant. He, that, that to me is all nervous. That's his instant reaction because he's feeling uncomfortable. He sees what's going on. And you know he's not watching the matches on, on the telly. He's not doing that. He's, but he has to there. He's forced. Yeah. I, don't know. I think it's He's good. forced to see how bad the team is. And I also to the nervous laugh point, it was definitely one of those he's laughing and they cut away right before he said, Dennis told me that not Dennis, uh, Keith told me that this would be over by uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. September. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with uh, you. Yeah. Um, All right. So his next one, uh, the next ones are, are great. They're, they're funny. So, uh, I'm all about this. Uh, Graham says, if you had 10 minutes alone with Mike Ashley, what would you do slash say? I'll leave this Oof. one up to you. Oof. Um, mm, that's – okay. So I think that I would actually read uh, like a Shakespeare – like I'd, I'd read a Shakespeare monologue or I guess a soliloquy. Let's do a soliloquy. Shakespeare soliloquy in a German accent. Oh. And and blindfold uh, Mike Ashley and made him make him eat waffles with spoiled milk poured on top of them. That is with hot sauce. So uncomfortably specific. Yeah, and it also <laughs> doesn't sound great at all. No, 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 it doesn't. Like I like the and and the thing is, yeah, ten minutes long. One, I'm not a violent person, so I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm going to beat him up because I wouldn't because I have never thrown a punch so um i and also like there's no sense in like trying to talk to him because people do that and he still sucks so you might as well just like make him have the worst day of his life yeah i would sit him down 
Okay. Obviously, he'd have to be restrained because he'll probably just get up and leave. So he would have to be restrained at some point. And I'd say, okay, you're going to sign this document that gives me 100% ownership of Newcastle United. Greg, do you really want that? Or no, 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 no. I would then sell the club to the oh. to the best bidder. Okay. I, okay. I would not. I do not want to be owner. I, I said I I want to be a fan of a of a club that tries. That's what I want. So I would say do this, and he'll probably say no. So instead, I'll have some prep work that I'll put in there. I'll I'll announce it to the, to the Twitter sphere. I'll say I am. I have ten minutes alone with with with. I was about to say Rafa <laughs> with Mike Ashley. So I'm going to start this thread and each person comment one word below and I'm going to read it to them. I, and just let's see, see what the comments happen. And, and then he'll just be forced to hear me say one word from each person of the entire Toon Army. And it's going to be glorious because it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be nice, but it's going to be delightful for me. I'm going to enjoy every second of that 10 minutes, however many seconds that is a lot. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. All right, Graham. All right. Good question there. Yeah. Next one. Okay. What do you make of Java the Hut, who's Ashley, uh, okay. of his appearance in recent weeks? Do you think it means anything, or is it just wanting to annoy us even more? Uh, we did touch on this, so we don't have to go into play. Uh, it could be both. It could be. It, it could be that he just because he's going to be here for the week, he decided to go to the back-to-back matches, or just like, haha, I'll annoy you even more. But I think we both generally agree that it, it could be viewed as a positive. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, I think I made this point of when yeah. you try to sell something, you want to make it seem as nice as possible. You want to be there, you know, ask, ask all the questions. You don't sell your house and then, you don't try to sell your house and then like, you know, walk away or try to sell your car and never, you know, show it off or anything. Like you just, you, you're, you're there and yeah. you're, you're present. Even if you don't want it, even if you, could care less about it you're at least exerting some sort of effort to like try to sell it so that's that's good yeah and then um he said will life on mars be discovered before a takeover of newcastle happens probably because we have because we've got so many rovers up there well we did just discover water or ice ice very thick ice and the thing is, I don't know what the rovers have the capability of doing, but if they can melt the ice and then we can analyze the water, then we could discover like microorganisms, which would mean there'd be life on Mars. But I, I don't know what they're equipped to do, the rovers. I think they just collect rocks. I don't know if they can collect <laughs> ice yet. So, um, All right. Get ready, everybody. Oh. I'll go. The questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney, has made an appearance. Oh, okay. That's, that's his job, so I would hope yep. he showed up and did his job. Trevor Mooney says, you share and share. See what I did there? Oh. You share and share. Randomly meet at a karaoke bar on a night out in Newcastle, celebrating after our first victory of the season. Mm. What song are you singing on stage as a trio after a few pints of brown hell? <laughs> so what song are you singing along with Cher, our center back, and Cher, the world-renowned singer? Uh, Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. Whoa! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would because 
Um, I'm pretty sure if you get a couple of pints in me, I'll try to show you that I know how to belly dance, which is actually confirmed. I do know how to belly dance. So I would I definitely try to, and I learned to belly dance. Elijah, this is, a, this is a PG podcast, man. We don't, we don't need to it, go into your hips here. I mean. I'm just, hey, my hips don't <laughs> lie. Uh, that's the first thing you need to know about me. And uh, belly dancing is an art. Okay, Greg? Wow. It's, it's PG. Okay. And also really funny when I do it because I'm bad. So there you go. Okay. Um, if I'm up on stage, I'm going to bring it back to Atlanta for this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And seeing some icons like, well, really there's one icon and then a singer and a center back. And oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> I would sing Pimpin' All Over the World by Ludacris. Oh wow. Yeah, because you have me, Mike, oh, obviously. Cher, uh, an award winning artist, and then a Swiss guy. So that's kinda like all over the world. I like how Cher's <laughs> just a Swiss guy. Not 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 a Swiss guy that's played in the World Cup. No, 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 just a Swiss guy. Yeah, just a Swiss guy. So we'd be pivoting all over the world for sure. I would take the Luda part. They'd probably just sing background, just just from judging from what I expect their vocals to be. Mm. Um, yeah, probably not great is what I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a question for you, Greg. Okay. Um, do you think Fabian Cher – like which which yeah, which Swiss tradition do you think Fabian Cher uh, likes the most uh, fondue or, uh, or or chocolate? Chocolate. You think he's a chocolate guy? I think he's a fondue guy. Why? Just because of Swiss cheese? No, dude, fondue is big over there, dude. I don't know why, but you like the hotel I stayed at in Switzerland. They had fondue. Like, what about watches? I mean, I never. I mean, like, I thought I was sticking to food. I'm. I'm just going to assume that Cher has a deal with Swiss watch company because he's Man, on maybe Swiss. Maybe he get us in with some some fondue sponsors. Oh yeah. Uh, any fondue sponsors who want to give us free fondue? Yeah, for all you fondue companies that are listening currently, please contact us at chnradionufc at gmail.com for yeah, sponsorship that'd be, opportunities. That'd be huge. Um, yeah. We actually won't even charge you. We just want the fondue. <laughs> yeah, just tell us about your company. It's really all we <laughs> That's all we care about is just there's a fondue company. Give us a write-up. Give us yeah. a write-up. <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes episode 10 of CHN Radio from SB Nation's Coming Home Newcastle. I'm your host, Greg Troxel, co-host Elijah Newsom. Give us a follow on social media at Coming Home NUFC on Twitter, Coming Home Newcastle on Facebook. Please contribute uh, from Brian's message at the beginning of the podcast. You can find us on our email account, which is chnradionufc at gmail.com. Give us feedback. We need five stars, guys. The reviews are awesome and the five-star ratings are awesome. We need both of them because feedback is just as important as your five-star reviews. So please, please keep doing that. And uh, also, you can email us with any feedback that you have, any questions, concerns, thoughts. We'd love, just love to hear it all. Uh, subscribe, love us, tell us how awesome we are, and keep asking us questions 
We are the best podcast for coming home Newcastle. The only podcast for coming home Newcastle. We are CHN Radio and Hawaii the Lads. Oh, no. 